Welcome to the Hardwick Evangelical Church Weekly Podcast. Okay, those of you who um, were here last week will know that we waved these books around, Live Lent. It's a Lent series, <clears throat> readings um, every day, or just one at the weekends, um, taking us through a theme of embracing justice. And we're going to be... Uh, the idea is that if people want to take this and want a Lent series, a Lent course, they can take this and read this. And we're going to bring up some of the themes from this on our Sunday morning preaching up until Easter. So I recommend those. Enid has a few left. If you haven't got one and want one, um, see her at the end of the service. So today we're looking at justice in creation. And um, we're going to start right back at the beginning of the Bible in Genesis chapter 1. There we go, good place to start, eh? And Genesis chapter 1 talks about uh, creation. It talks about how God created everything. And God created the world, God created the cosmos, God created all the things that populate the world. And... Um, the last thing that he created in that, um, yeah, at that time was uh, human beings. So we're just going to read a little <coughs> bit about that. Oh, I should say that everything that God created, he looked at and he saw that it was good. So reading from Genesis 1, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 26. Starting at verse 26. Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God he created them, male and female he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. And then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has the breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw all that he had made. And it was very good. Let's move on to Genesis 3. <clears throat> in the beginning, it was all good. Everything was in relationship, good relationship 
with each other. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> It's all right. I can speak louder than David Suchet. <laughs> At the beginning, it's all right. Things were in harmony. People were created equal, but they were created with a job to do. God created them so that they may rule over the creation that He had made, or the rest of creation that he had made. They were in a good relationship with God. There was, if you like, harmony, there was peace, there was relationship, there was order. <clears throat> and then we come to a situation where um, uh, a snake um, speaks to the woman and says, um, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden. Now for those of you who know, God had said there's one tree, one tree you can't eat from. And so he comes along and says, did he really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the woman replies, I'm going to paraphrase a little bit here, but the woman replies, he said, we may eat from the trees in the garden, but God did say you mustn't eat fruit from the tree that's in the middle of the garden and you must not touch it, or you will die. So she's added a bit there. And then the snake says, you will not certainly die, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so what happens is the woman eats the fruit, <clears throat> she gives some to her husband, he eats the fruit, and then it says, their eyes were opened. And they went and they hid from God. And then God comes along and says, where are you? Because normally he walks with them in the evening, um, in the garden. And the man says, I heard you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked. And God says, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree from which I commanded you not to eat? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. And then the Lord God said to the woman, what is this you've done? And the woman said, the snake deceived me and I ate. And then the Lord gives various um, <coughs> punishments, if you like, um, consequences of what of their actions. Notice at this point that where, whereas before everything was in good relationship together, at this point they've started blaming each other, haven't they? Oh, I did something wrong, it was her fault. I did something wrong, it was the snake's fault. There's blame has come into, uh, into relationship. So God um, curses the snake and then he says, so he, yeah. So he curses the snake and then he says to the woman, I'll make your pains in childbearing very severe. With painful labour you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. 
So suddenly, instead of a relationship of equality where they were made, they were both made in God's image and given the same task to do, which was to rule over the world, suddenly now you have a situation where the man <coughs> becomes in charge, if you like, as a result of the fall. They're not equal anymore. It says, he will roll, your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And then to the man, he says, curse is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will, you, through painful toil, you will eat from it uh, all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. <clears throat> so, again... Because of their sin, um, there is now a, if you like, broken relationship between humanity and the earth. So we've had a broken relationship now between uh, God and the people because they, they feel afraid and have to hide from him. There's a broken relationship between men and women. Um, and there's a broken relationship now between people and the earth and that's a result of sin it's a result of a particular sin at that point but I would suggest that you know all humanity the Bible <laughs> suggests all humanity has been created to look after what God the rest of creation that God has uh, made and um, I think that as humanity, we have actually exploited the world. And we're now in a situation in our generation where we're seeing the dire consequences of that and wondering if at all we can turn the clock back or we can uh, amend things to such a state, such a situation that actually the world won't collapse, disintegrate, um, whatever uh, happens. And so the whole of creation, in one sense, is in crisis. Um, there are wars going on, obviously. Perhaps the one that we know most about at the moment is um, what's happening in Ukraine. There are people who want power over others. Go back to Genesis 3. It says that the men will dominate the women, but I think it's certain people will want to dominate other people. There's a lust for power. And um, we see the effects of what Genesis, beginning chapters of Genesis talk about, played out over and over and over again in different scenarios, but nonetheless played over, over and over again. And um, we and our children <coughs> will bear the consequences of that. And it's not just how we relate to each other. It's also how we relate to the rest of creation. All of those relationships have been broken. Our relationship with God, the relationship between humanity and God, the relationship between people, the relationship between humanity and the earth. And yeah, I'd, I'd like us just to sing a song at this point. Um, I, I, just as Susie sort of gets ready 
let's just take a moment, let's just take a moment to reflect that actually, I'm, I'm not like pointing the finger and saying, you know, you've done this and you've done that and I've done that. This is the state of our world. The state of the world is that because of sin, we are all out of kilter in some way. And we may not be, you know, um, invading countries, but we probably have not such positive feelings towards some people or arguments with others that we may realise later <coughs> things don't, don't need arguing about. Um, we may be exploiting things, the earth. You know, the good news of the gospel is that there is forgiveness and there is hope. And the reason I wanted to sing that song there is that often when we come to God, we need to come with repentance before we can fully take on board the fullness of the gospel that Jesus died to bring. <clears throat> and even if we're sitting here thinking, well, you know, I haven't done anything wrong and this is just going to be a sermon about green issues and I'm not really interested... Um, the fact is that right back in Genesis it says that God created people to take care of the creation that he's made and I think we haven't done a great job of that and yet there is forgiveness and there is uh, grace I was talking to somebody recently about, um, about the need to rest and how um, we fill our lives with busyness, we fill our lives with doing. And because we're, I didn't say this bit in the, when I was talking to them, but because we're so busy, we look for shortcuts. You know, because I'm so busy, I don't walk to work, I take the car. Because we're so busy, we buy all that processed, packaged meals, for example, because we haven't got time to cook. But it just plays out again and again and again that because we're busy, we um, do things that aren't good for ourselves or creation. And, um, and yet God has given instructions about resting rest on the Sabbath day um, take time to rest and with rest sometimes comes reflection rest comes with time spent with God listening not busy doing and God you know in, in, um, it's in Leviticus 25 if you want to look it up either now or later but when God's talking to his people about going into the promised land, and he said, when you enter the land I'm going to give you, the land itself must observe a Sabbath to the Lord. For six years sow your fields, and for six years prune your vineyards and gather their crops. But in the seventh year, the land is to have a year of Sabbath rest. A Sabbath to the Lord. Do not sow your fields or prune your vineyards. Do not, reap what grows of, uh, do not reap what grows of itself 
or harvest the grapes of your untended vines. The land is to have a year of rest. And then it, then it does say whatever the land yields during the Sabbath year will be food for you. But the idea is that those things that you're normally cultivating, <coughs> just leave those. Whatever the land produces of itself, that, that will be food for you. But let, let the land have a rest from the cultivation that you do. God cares about everything. He cares about us. He cares about the land, the world that he created. Um, I, I spent some time reflecting on the fact that John 3.16 says that God so loved the world. And we often think about, oh, God so loved people, so Jesus came to save people. But actually God loved the world. And Jesus came that people would not perish, but have everlasting life. Interesting, isn't it? Somewhere, I think it's in Romans, it says, the world, the earth cries out for the sons of God to be revealed. And uh, I think sometimes we don't take note of that. That we live in the world God created and he asks us to look after it. <coughs> and the gospel gives us hope. You know, that, the last verse of that song, it gives us hope. God never just knocks us down and doesn't offer a hand of hope. No, wherever we are, there is that hand stretching out to us from God to lift us up. But often we need to come in repentance first. <clears throat> in Philippians, Philippians 2, um, I'll start at the beginning. Paul saying, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion. I'm going to stop there a moment. I think that we could probably all say that we have some encouragement from being united with Christ, that we have some comfort from his love, that we have some common sharing in the spirit, that we have some tenderness and compassion. Um, <coughs> And Paul says, if you've got any of these, any of, from any of these, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. quite a challenge isn't it <laughs> in humility value others above yourselves not looking to your own interests but each of you to the interests of others and in Mark 12 towards the end of the chapter there verse um, I'll start verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them 
debating. That's Jesus and the Sadducees. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, Jesus answered, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbour as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so I guess what I'm thinking through, and I, and, and what I think we could all do with thinking through, is what does that mean for us? What does that mean in our day-to-day -day lives? When I leave here this morning, do I say, oh, well, that was or wasn't, depending on your opinion, a good talk. <laughs> I'll listen to that again, or I'm not listening to that again. Whatever it is, what actually... I don't, I don't want us just to say, oh, well, you know, that was a sermon, now I'll get on with real life. Um, what, what is God saying to us? What is God saying to you, each individual? What is God saying to us as a congregation here? Um, that how do we um, improve justice? <laughs> In creation, how? What is? It, what are the practical things that we might do this week um, that might change the way we respond to creation? That's that's people and the world, um, and it might be that it starts with prayer. It might be that our hard hearts are hard. I've heard Christians say, well, God's going to renew the world at the end of time anyway, so it doesn't matter what we do with it now. But in Genesis, <laughs> he said he made people so that we will look after creation. And so there are things that we perhaps can do this week For more information about Hardwick Evangelical Church, please click the website link in our bio.